Hi, this is Dan Corver, uh, pastor here at Dalton Hill Baptist Church. <clears throat> we're a small Baptist church located in Owasso, Oklahoma. We're small enough to know you, but we're big enough to serve you and for you to serve as well. Our vision is to rescue, restore, and return to service. Rescue a non-believer or a believer who has been hurt or is lost. Restoring them to Christ in fellowship with other believers with the desire that they in turn will help others along their way. You know, we have a great many uh, companies advertise. You hear them on the TV, the radio all the time. Your E.F. Hutton, your Edward Jones, Fidelity, Merrill Lynch. They all have experts in the market and future planning, right? And just give them the, they can help you so you can have a peaceful, successful future. I wonder how many of them planned and thought through that COVID was going to come. What do you think? And I think it's interesting, you know, they can all have a great part in our life, and they do, and for other things. But I want us to think about, what about our spiritual future? What about our spiritual future? So today I'd like for us just to, some people do New Year's resolutions, a lot of us are getting so old, we don't do them anymore because we break them anyway, right? <laughs> but what about a New Year's resolution of fellowship with the Father? Fellowship with the Father, I think it's a... Paul had it in Philippians 3, it's not our text, but Philippians 3, you remember he said his greatest desire was to know him, to have the fellowship of his sufferings and so on. Uh, and it's a great one for us to look at. And well, the main text would be in Psalms, but we'll just look at a few uh, passages just to begin with, you'll know real well, starting in Matthew chapter 7, some possibilities. And I think it's interesting when you stop and you think about the this part of the possibilities, Jesus had just talked to the people here when he talked about the narrow gate and the wide and so on. And in verse 23 of Matthew 7, Jesus makes this statement, where these are possibilities. Then he said, I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from you, you practice lawlessness. Notice what he says in 34, then the possibilities. You have two men, two locations, two choices, and then you have two different results. Notice it says that, uh, therefore every man who hears these words of mine and acts upon them may be compared to a wise man who builds his house upon the rock. We all hear God's word regularly, but what do we do with it? I think it's interesting when you stop and think about it. Notice then the rains descend, the floods came, the wind blew and burst against that house, yet it did not fall, for it had been founded upon the rock. Obviously the rock would be what? On Jesus and the words with which that he gave. Everyone who heard these words of mine and does not act upon him will be like a foolish man who builds his house upon the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and burst against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Stop and think about it. The words were heard by both. One heeded, one didn't. Did judgment come against both? Judgment came against both. One house stood, one house fell. I think we can ask ourselves the question that you stop and think about it where is your house built? Where is it built? What's it built with? You know, you go when Jean and I have been to Europe, others have been there as well, and you go and you see buildings that are a thousand years old, older, it's just amazing. We talk about how old a building is. If it gets a hundred, man, I mean, that's an old, man. 
and you go over there and you're talking about thousand, twelve hundred year old buildings, so on. It reminds me just the possibilities of what are we doing with God's Word? What are we doing every time? He already tells you the possibilities are there. We make the choice. It reminds me when I was in grade school, uh, we have, I'm a parent's house, it's called Joe Creek or Little Joe Creek. And the neighbor boys and I, we had a lot of them in the neighborhood. We'd explore that creek. We'd go literally for miles, go up and down the creek, go all over the place. And I'll never forget going behind Carnegie, which is where I went to elementary school. And it would flood and everything else. You'd be down there having fun as a kid. All of a sudden, I saw they were building a house. And I'm thinking, why? You know, remember, you're only 11 years old. I'm thinking, why would you build a house here? Now, they had, they put a cement wall up around it, about two and a half feet tall. Well, you know, good and well what happened. You know, they were there. Had they, they, you know, went through a couple of floods, and then the house was abandoned. Had to be abandoned. You wonder who, what builder, or whoever gave the building permit to build the house there. You know, and you're thinking, if an 11 year old can look and say this is bad, you know, what does the adult know? But how many of us do the same thing? We have possibilities, but how many of us are building with the wrong material in the wrong place? So I think it's important for us to stop and think about it. What are we doing with his words? John 14, 6 of John, I am the way, what? You know, no man comes to the Father except by me. What am I doing with the word? Personally, but am I telling other people? Since you're in Matthew, just turn over now to 11. I said we're going to mainly be in Psalms. but So you have the two possibilities. You also, it's a process. And I think it's important for us to recognize we have a process Again, in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28 to 30, we know the uh, words real well. Come unto me, all you are what? Weary and heavy laden, and I will what? I will give you rest. Okay, I think a lot of us have done that, but what about the next verse? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. How many of you, uh, so in other words, Anyone that's been around animals like that, you take the young one and you're going to yoke it with the older one and they have to learn to pull together. You and I are told to be yoked with who? With Jesus. Who tells you when to pull? Who tells you where to pull? Who tells you when to stop? And how many of you have real trouble with that? Now notice he said, and you shall find rest. Some of us are not finding rest because we're not pulling with the yoke with Jesus. That's why I said it's a process because if you remember in Philippians, Paul says in chapter 4, I've learned, in verse 11, I've learned to be content. He wasn't originally content. Now I find it amazing that he is content in prison. His plan was never, he was just to stop by Rome and go to Spain. But he said, I can be content because this is what God's plan was for me. And I'm going to do... But Paul did so many great things when he wasn't where he wanted to be, but where God wanted him to be. So stop and you think about it. Am I pulling... How many of you ever pulled with your own ability? You ever been trying to do it alone? I, I, 
I used to, and I still do, love going to see tractor pulls, the old tractor pulls. I also love to go see all the different horses pull. And I'd try to pick out which one would be the winner. It rarely was it the biggest team, or even the most muscular team that would win. It was the one that pulled together that won. And one of the funniest is when you see the little mini horses in Maypole. I mean, it's amazing watching those little things and the kind of weight that they can pull. But how many of us are pulling with... By the way, we are all supposed to be a team here too, aren't we? And we should be pulling together and we should be pulling with the Lord. He tells us when to do it. And so I think it's important for us to do it. Most of us try to pull in our own ability and when we fail and we get tired, then what? We quit and we tell the Lord what? Get somebody else or you pull it, I'm tired. And we don't pull with it. The third one, which, so we've seen the two possibilities, listening to His Word or not, how we build on it. We know it's a process. We have to be pulling with Him in His direction. But since we're talking about planning, look over in James and then we'll be at our main text. But James chapter 4, and we have a lot of this. I think we all do this on occasion. People are constantly asking me at the refinery, there isn't a week go by that people don't ask me, when are you retiring? When are you retiring? You know? It's amazing how many people keep asking, when are you going to retire? I heard you retiring. I want your job. You know, it's just like, you ever feel unwanted? You know? <laughs> Notice what it tells you in verse 13 of chapter 4 of James. Come now you who say, Today or tomorrow we shall go to such and such city, spend a year there, engage in business, and make a profit. You notice we do a lot of that. Where is God in there? We're going to do this, we're going to go, we're going to a year there, and we're going to make money. How do we know all that? How do you know what tomorrow holds? I'm sure COVID year, how many, how many of us took a little bit of a hit? Notice what it says we should say. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and also do this or that. Nothing wrong with making plans. But what happens when God changes your plans? Was my mom and dad's plans changed over the last year or two? How many of us has our plans been changed the last year or two? I think a lot. So notice then you have this planning, but notice the permission you have. What? Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall do this or do that. Again, it shows who's in charge. The Lord is. So we think about doing this, we have two possibilities. We listen to the God's Word or not, and then we following it. We have the process. It's not something we're going to learn overnight. And what happens, you look around and you see people who have walked with the Lord for 50, 60, 80 years and were really impressed with their walk. They've been doing it for a while. We're just getting you know, yoked with the Father. It's going to take us a while to learn how to do all it. But let's look at it's a process to get there. And realize, too, in the planning part, where is God in our planning? You know, we're looking at the budget and stuff for next year. We do different things. As a council, we're trying to do our best to do it, but at the same time, we then present it to you two weeks from today. But things can change. A lot of things can change. 
Let's look at it then. What about the prize? Look over in Psalms 15. This is where I want to spend the rest of the time. Psalms 15. So we have possibilities, two builders. We have the process. We have planning. Notice what it says in verse 1 of Psalms 15. You have the possibility. O Lord, who may abide in thy tent? Who may dwell on thy holy hill? It's written by David. The word there for tent is S-H-A-K-A-N. We get what word from it? Shekinah. Who can dwell in the presence of Shekinah comes from this root. Who can dwell in the presence of the Lord? How many of you want to dwell in the presence of the Lord? He's asking the question. Now he's going to tell you how. How many of you want to be in fellowship with the Lord? You know, in 1 John chapter 1, it tells you if He is in the light, if I want to be walking and have fellowship with Him, I have to be where? In the light. In the light. You know, Gene has said we've been in the house 22 years, we need to do painting and stuff like that. Well, you know, 22 years, you don't really notice. You know, things just slowly, you know, and you doesn't look bad till you paint one thing. Then what happens? <laughs> I mean, then you, where do you stop? You just, and uh, everything is just kind of like you start looking at all the color. Even when you take the same color, it's just amazing. Well, the same thing can happen with you and I. God is light, God is white. And how many of us are trying to look beside him? So notice then, how do we do it? He's going to have this uh, pattern that you have, if you will, in verse 2 to verse 5. He's going to summarize it. And these are three participles that he tells you how to do it. Notice the first one. He who walks or is walking in integrity. Second one, he who works or is working righteousness. And he who speaks truth in his heart. Walks, works, speaks how much of our life is that it's all of it so basically if you want to have fellowship with the Lord the prize it's going to be how we walk how we work and how we speak and I think it's we, we make it so much harder so far as we make all these uh, things that you have but Walking in integrity. The same thing that happened is uh, we're talking about integrity or blameless. In Genesis nine or six and verse nine, it says Noah was blameless. Does that mean he was perfect? No. He does the same thing in uh, Genesis seventeen with Abraham, blameless. In other words, as to look on his whole life or look at it as he was walking with integrity before the Lord. And when he makes mistakes, you confess it, and every one of us will. But what do we do it? So here you have this pattern, this walking, this working, and this speaking. He now is going to then apply it. There's actually 11 of them here. But notice what you have here. He starts putting it down on how to do it when you start looking at it. Notice in verse 3, he does not slander, right? You know, you go a little higher. He does not slander with his tongue. Does tongue get anybody in trouble? I mean, you go anywhere, any type of party or do anything, and it's amazing the tongue is what gets... Would you agree that tongue gets you in trouble more than anything else? And the, and the eye looks like 
expressions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's verbal and nonverbal communication. There really is. And a lot of people, you say, I never said anything. Yeah, you did. <laughs> That's true. But I would think about it, the, what you have, the slander. How, you know, what are we saying? Or what are we not saying? It, it's so, our tongue is so, that's why James says you cannot tame the tongue, you can control it with the Holy Spirit's help, but you will not tame it. Uh, Mike and just got a new horse and they're taming it and getting it all down and riding it. It's amazing, you can tame a 1,100 pound horse, but you can't tame this little bitty thing flapping in your mouth. And we have a whole lot more time we worked on it. And some of us have worked on it a long time, and it's still causing us trouble every day. Notice slander. Nor does he evil to his neighbor, nor take up reproach against a friend. It's amazing how many times you've known somebody and somebody says something bad about the friend, and immediately we take up a reproach against them. Have you ever noticed that? Why is it we're so quick to believe something bad about somebody? And it, all it does is just create a lot of uh, problems. Uh, I'll never forget, I remember when uh, Grady made the statement, somebody was, something was said, and he made the statement to him, well, let's just go talk to so-and-so. He said that about Dan? All right, let's just go talk to Dan and see if that's true. What do you think happens? How quick do you think you hit reverse? That's a good pattern. If you're going to say it, all right, let's go talk to him directly. Is that what he was really said? Is that what's really went? And you'll find people will not want to be talking to you quite as much because, hey, I might have to go confront someone, so I better not do that. Notice, in whose eyes a reprobate is despised. How many of you, when they see things that are not right, they see people who are not right, they do not want anything to do with that person, irregardless of what that person could do for them. And there's a lot of people who are reprobates who have all kinds of money that people will will associate with because of the money that they have in order to get it. Notice the interesting, but who honors those who fear the Lord. A lot of people who fear the Lord, do they have a a lot to give you? No, a lot of people do not have a lot to give you. I'll never forget when I was in elementary school, we went to this church, and my Sunday school teacher, I'll never forget, he worked at Hillcrest, and he would wash clothes. He, he was so poor, they had no vehicle. He rode his bike to work and rode his bike home. In fact, that's how he got killed. Somebody ran over him when he was coming, going to work. But I'll never forget that particular individual because he loved the Lord, and he prepared, and he did all kinds of stuff, really looking and wanting to give you the Word of God. Now, a lot of people at the church really looked down on him. Why? Look at what little he had. What little he could provide. But the man served the Lord faithfully. And I think it's important for us to look at do we honor those who... And he truly did fear the Lord. Uh, I'll never forget when he was going to show Easter and he brought in... And this would have been almost 60 years ago. Still remember. He brought in an orange pit. Talking about the resurrection... And he has to die and be resurrected. And a lot of people laughed and everything. But was that not a, a good illustration with which to give? When you stop and think about something dies and out of it comes forth something. But that's what he had and what he could then show us. 
And I think it's important for all of us to, to really do we honor those who are really honoring the Lord, irregardless of where they're at in their, in their walk, with, uh, in their financial status. Notice the next one, I think, is he swears to his own hurt and does not change. You give your word. How many times has it ever happened? Any of you have been in business and you give your word to such and such price and all of a sudden the cost goes up. But you gave your word. What do you do? Do you honor it? Or do you change the price? I'll give you the next one too. I think it's interesting. We bought hay. Mike has, Gene and I have, Ruthie and so on, from a guy that lives in Pryor. Roger, I've known him a long, long time. He happens to have his fence, one of his common fences, backs up to Don Eaton. And Don Eaton's place. It's interesting what he had to say about Don. Unsolicited, just how he was a man of integrity. And he said, you don't have neighbors like Don. And he had others because he has an incredible large spread. Unsolicited, that's the kind of things you want to hear a person who's going to keep his word well last year originally Roger gave me a price for the hay well did fertilizer go up last year it skyrocketed so when I went I asked him what do I owe you because I figured it's going to be more he said no I told you that's what the price will be this year that's what it's going to be now he went up this year and understandably so. But he gave me a price and he took the loss on paying more for the fertilizer. But how many times do we find people like that? But is that not the type of person that we are supposed to be? And that's the type of person, that's the Christianity that people see and they know. And so stop and you think about it. You have these standards. Notice the next one that you have in verse 5. He does not put out his money at interest. Going to believers in the Old Testament, they were not they could loan money at interest to a foreigner, but to fellow uh, Israelites, they could not loan at interest. Loan money, but they not at interest. It's one thing, and I've said it before, it always bothers me about the Southern Baptists. We have money, but if we go borrow money from the Southern Baptist Convention, what do we have to do? We have to pay interest. Where'd the money come from? We gave them the money, and when we go to borrow it, we have to pay interest. Now, I know they take the money and they do it well with using that money to help other people. I appreciate that. I don't know why they do it at interest, though, because of passages like this. I don't believe that they should be loaning it at interest to a church that's been supporting them. But again, what about you and I? What do we do? We loan money to people. What happens if they don't pay it back? Any of you ever get loan money to people and never got it back? No. <laughs> you know? Whose money is it, by the way? If it's the Lord's money, and the Lord said to give the money, and if they don't give it back, then who do you need to take it up with? Take it up with the Lord, and the Lord can see to it that it's done right. And we've all had, and I find you, you probably have found the same with me, believers seem to be some of the very worst. In fact, if you go to a bank, 
the bank will say the worst person to loan money to is who? Ministers. Boy, that is sad. You're telling me the worst person to loan money to is a minister. It should be just the opposite. They should pay it on time, every time, and never miss because that's the testimony they're setting in the community. But what about you and I? How well do we pay ours? People will notice how well we pay ours. Notice the next one. Does not take a bribe against the innocent. Do we have anybody that's getting paid off politically? <laughs> Better question might be, do we have anybody that's not getting paid off? I find it interesting they can go off to the different places and they come out with the kind of money they come out after four years, eight years, whatever, and you see the salary they're making. is like, how in the world can you have three homes or four or whatever it might be on the salary that you're making? But insider trading is allowed there, whatever. But as a Christian, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And I think it's important though. So notice then, what kind of walk do we have? Who chooses it? We do. What type of work do we do? How many of us, you know, Jean's out delivering mail. How many do people know whether she's really delivering it all? You get all this junk mail and sure you all wish that she would just throw it away, right? Because that's exactly what you do. But if it says it's supposed to go to every door, what do you have to do? You gotta go to every door. People, you know, how well are, you know, when I go to all the different uh, wells and different stuff, people don't know if I'm doing my job or not. You talk to anybody over me, they couldn't tell you what pump I have, what float I have. They have absolutely no idea. They don't know if it's running. They don't know if it's not running. They don't have any idea. But there is somebody that I am working for that knows. Yes. And so if I want to have fellowship with him and dwell in his glory, what am I going to do? The same thing with speak. How well do I have to... How many of you, like you said, find the hardest is you... Don't think you just blurt it out and then you are doing what? <laughs> then we're all hitting reverse, right? I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. Well, we meant what we should say. I didn't mean to say it out loud. <laughs> now we're being honest, right? Now we're being honest. But I think our our tongue is what we really, really can work a lot at. When I was a uh, teenager, I had a, a quite a temper, and that's the first verse I memorized, or one of the first ones, is James 1.17. Let us be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to hear. And I think it's important for us on all the different scriptures to work on it, work on it, and work on it. Uh, we'll never get over all of it, but we can certainly improve. And so stop and think about it. Notice what it has at the end, the promise. He who does these things will not be shaken. When we are doing these things, which by the way, can we do all these? There isn't one thing that was listed here that we cannot do with the power of the Holy Spirit. We can do those things if we so choose. And I think it's important for us to do it. So let me just closing it to uh, 
Which builder best represents you? There's two of them there, right? Are we listening and following His Word or not? Am I yoked to Christ and pulling with Him or resisting His leading? I think a lot of us are like cats. You put a leash on a dog and you might do something. Put a leash on a cat and you'll find very few. <laughs> think about it. How many of us are cats? I mean, we, uh, we do not want to have a leash on us to save anything. I have seen a cat walk on a leash, which I thought was amazing, but I don't know how they did it. Is God included in my planning, or is He simply an afterthought? How many times do we have all these plans and we ask God to bless them? Is my greatest desire in 2024 to walk in fellowship with Him? If it is, I have to watch my walking, my working, and the speaking. All of it is in my control. Am I going to allow Him to control me and do it? We'd love for you to come and visit with us and fellowship with us. We're located at 8263 North Owasso Expressway, which is on the east side of Highway 169 North, between 76th and 86th Street North. We have coffee and fellowship from 8.30 to 9 Sundays, followed by Sunday school for all ages from 9 to 9.45, and our Sunday morning worship service is from 10 to 11. We likewise have a Wednesday night service for all ages from 7 to 8. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times, and in every way the Lord be with you all the time.